0: Hello and welcome to and let's be heard for Friday, June 24th, 2022. I'm Mike Cachopoli. All right. We've made it to the end of another week. Always very exciting when we actually make it to the end of a week these days, but we have, we have, we have. Um, I just want to remind you that the telephone lines are open. So whatever's on your mind, you may call in, especially it being Friday. We could do a, we can do a, uh, a Potpourri Friday, where anything that's on your mind uh, is welcome here. Um, at the end of the, make sure you don't uh, leave early. You don't uh, you don't go to bed early or shut this off early because at the end of the of the uh, of the broadcast today, I'll have a film review. My Friday film review. This one is Elvis. It's a biggie, Elvis. It's a biggie. So at the end of the show, I'll be doing my review of Elvis. Okay, so the, actually the first thing I want to talk about, <clears throat> hadn't intended to talk about guns today, but a ruling came down by the Supreme Court which has alleviated New York State's gun laws when it comes to concealed carry. So as you know, cities like, well, New York State and cities like New York City and of course Illinois, Chicago, Baltimore, Philadelphia, San Francisco, Los Angeles, the cities with the most crime have the most strict gun laws. And the cities with the least gun crime, in fact, the least crime in general, have uh, more lenient gun laws. You know, like places like uh, cities in Alabama and Mississippi, Birmingham, Nashville, Tennessee, Memphis, those places. um, They have the most lenient gun laws, um, and yet they have the lowest crime. So this liberal idea, this Democrat-liberal cognitive dissonance insanity idea – where criminals will follow the laws. Therefore, we have to make it impossible for law-abiding citizens who want to protect themselves to get guns. We need we need we need laws to stop the law-abiding people from being able to defend themselves against the criminals that liberals let off with a slap on the wrist, that liberal DAs like George Gascon and chesabudin Boudin and other liberal DAs, uh, Alvin Bragg, around the country let go onto the streets when they should be in jail Law-abiding citizens like myself and you are not allowed to defend ourselves. Should not be allowed to defend ourselves. And when the Supreme Court says that the Second Amendment gives us the right to defend ourselves against from being raped or, or robbed or killed or injured or assaulted, these liberals go insane. Liberal, absolute liberal, moron, assholes like, like Keith Olbermann like, Heath Oldman, such a has-been, he's always trying to interject himself onto Twitter. He's trying to use Twitter to make a comeback because he's such a ESPN, CNN, ha- in every area of sports politics, he's a, he's a has-been. He's actually a never should-have-been. He's an only can-have-been in America, kind of a schmuck face, left-wing schmuck face. Goes crazy and wants to, how did he put it? Uh, he wants the dissolution, the dissolution of the Supreme Court because he wants the Supreme Court to be dissolved. I guess he wants to throw acid on the Supreme Court and have it dissolved because he doesn't agree with their rulings because they didn't rule in favor of the Keith Olbermann laws, the laws Keith Olbermann agrees with. So he wants to get rid of the Supreme Court because of that. And this is what we get from most of the left when the when the law says this is the law, even though you might not agree with it, they want to they want to dissolve the court, they want to riot, they want to loot, they want to kill, they want to go in the streets because they don't agree with the law and if if they don't get their way with the law that means it's not a good law and these are the same hypocritical schmuck faces who complain about Donald Trump complaining about the election complaining about the election that he didn't win the election so they say oh Donald Trump and Republicans when they don't win an election they they complain the election's not real that it's that's that there's that fraud at the same time these people when a law when the supreme court or any court rules on a law the law of the land, the United States Constitution-backed law. They say, oh, no, that's, that's, that's not a good law. We want to protest that law. We want to riot in the streets. We want to dissolve the courts because we don't agree with that law. And they do it over and over and over again. They do it with Roe v. Wade. They do it with gun laws. They did it with COVID restrictions. You know, We've seen this from the Biden administration over and over again and Democratic governors over the last two and a half years. They, they break the law. They, 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 they are criminals. They break the laws until a Supreme Court or a federal court slaps them down. And then they still try to get around that law, which Kathy Hochul in New York State will now try to do. She'll try to get around the law. She'll try to break the law, circumvent the law like a low-life criminal would do. And to that that's what we're seeing from Democrats, from the Biden administration. They act like low-life criminals. They break the law until they can't get away with it anymore, and then even when they can't get away with it anymore, they try to circumvent it and go around it. This is like what organized criminals do. This is like organized crime. They do whatever they can. They're like organized crime without the entertainment value. They're like organized crime without the excitement. They're like organized crime without the uh, class, without the good food and company. This is what they constantly do. I mean, Kathy Hochul just admitted to it. She said, oh, well, now we'll do our own thing, basically. They'll, they'll do their own thing to go around the law of the land, the law of the Supreme Court, the law of the United States Constitution, which Democrats and liberals have always hated, always hated it. They've always despised the Constitution. They don't agree with it. Absolute. They don't think the First Amendment, they don't think free speech is absolute. They say it over and over again. They admit it. They admit it. They say the First Amendment and Second Amendment, it would be better in this country if both didn't exist. If we just had the law of the land by liberal wrote what the Democrats believe should be the law of the land. And so we're seeing this over and over and over again We're like schmuck faces like Keith Oberman. And so <laughs> this is what Democrats believe in. They believe that the criminal should be able to rape you, should be able to rob you, should be able to kill you, should be able to assault you, but you should not legally be able to defend yourself or if the criminal has a gun they want you to defend yourself with your what with your penis with your keys with your pen what how how do you defend yourself against a criminal that's pointing a gun at you or that has a gun on them the only way you do it is your own so that's the whole idea of the of the idea of concealed carry and of course, the liberals go insane. They say, oh, no, now crime's going to be rampant. I mean, I was just watching Fox and that old senile lefty, uh, Geraldo Rivera, tried to make the argument that now all of a sudden there'll be gun crime in New York. Now all of a sudden gun crime will go rampant in New York as though the criminals follow the law, like the criminals follow the law. Uh, how, how could you live in New York? And believe the criminals filed law. How do you live in New York and not believe gun crime and violent crime is already rampant with all of these strict gun laws they already have? The only thing that you can't do in New York is a law-abiding citizen can't defend themselves against criminal scum. That's what you can't do in New York City. That's what you can't do here in San Francisco or in Philadelphia. That's what you can't do. Defend yourself. Defend yourself against the criminal element. And this is what you constantly see from Democrats. You constantly see them playing the violin strings for the criminals. Oh, they come from bad backgrounds, they come from oh they come from poor families, they come they can't help it. They the violin strings. But if you want to defend yourself, then you're the criminal. If you want to defend yourself, then you're the bad guy. So they make laws that help the criminals. They make laws that help the criminals commit crimes and the good people not be able to defend themselves from that criminal scum element. And we see it over and over again. And you see the tone deaf mayor, Eric Adams. I like to call him, I like to call him slick Adams because he likes to look good and, and be seen in public. He likes, he likes photo shoots and, and being a celebrity and dressing dapper. Um, who was actually a, supposedly a cop himself who doesn't believe that citizens should be able to defend themselves, doesn't understand that the criminal element doesn't care about laws. So then you go to places like, but then you have these these liberals like Geraldo, who obviously should, should be in an old age home somewhere, along with Biden and Fauci um, <laughs> and, and, uh, and Pelosi, making money on Fox News saying crap like, well, the reason why you don't have the crime in smaller cities in the South where where people are allowed to have concealed weapons permits. The reason why you don't have crime there is because you don't have subways. This is actually what this idiot just said on Fox News, because you don't have subways there. Now when someone says something like that, you know they should be put away. How could how could you actually say that? Let alone say it on national television and make all that money saying such stupid things? Like you don't have sub they don't have subways down south. That's why they don't have the crime. No, no, they don't have the crime down south because criminals know law-abiding citizens will shoot them and kill them. That's why they don't have crime. Because the law-abiding citizens are like the cops. They have guns on them, you see. That's why it's a deterrent to the criminal element when there's a better possibility that the person they're going to try to rape or rob or assault will have a gun and will kill them and stop them. That's the point. That's the point. And to think now, oh, my God, that it'll be easier, slightly, slightly easier, still not as easy as it is in many, many cities in this country to get a concealed carry permit and carry a gun with you, that all of a sudden everyone's going to do it is ridiculous. But maybe it'll just put it in the minds of the criminal element that there's a slightly better chance the person they're about to try to rob might kill them, might be able to defend themselves. And this totally offends Democrats. What what words did Kathy Hochul use? Disturbed. It was a disturbing ruling from the Supreme Court that law-abiding citizens are now allowed to defend themselves against the criminals Democrats don't prosecute. These are the people (laughs) who were doing the same crap during COVID, making laws that made no sense, making regulations that made no sense. They just want to control people. You see, Kathy Hochul, she has guards, armed guards that, that protect her. You see, Eric Adams has armed guards that protect him. Biden has about 80 of them that protect him. Yet you, the law-abiding citizen, cannot carry a gun to protect yourself. So once again, this is the Democratic liberal elite saying, we deserve the protection. You're a nobody. Get raped, get killed, get robbed. Too bad. We see their elitism. We see their privilege over and over again. And now is the time where you need to be able to buy a gun in a city like New York or Philadelphia. You don't need it in a Republican-run city because there isn't crime there the way there is in the Democrat-run cities, in the big cities of Philadelphia, Chicago, New York, over and over again. You know, we we talk about those cities. We don't talk about Birmingham. We don't talk about Memphis. We don't talk about Nashville. we We talk about the Democrat-run cities over and over again because that's where the crime is the worst. So that's where you need, if you ever needed the laws to be lessened so law-abiding citizens can protect themselves, right now in the summer of 2022 is the perfect time for this ruling for the Supreme Court. Now's the time we need to be able to defend ourselves. Now's the time you have people like me who have never owned a gun, who have never shot a gun, who've held a gun twice in my entire 50 years saying, you know, maybe I'll get one at some point. People are now starting to think that way because we want to defend ourselves. We want to be able to walk down the street and know we can defend ourselves if needed. And not, we won't be at the mercy of the criminal. We won't be at the mercy of the criminal element. But Democrats don't want you to be able to. You know why? Because it's a narrative issue. It's a wedge issue. It's an election year issue for them. Abortion guns these are wedge issues for them they want to be able to say the supreme court saying that the average citizen law-abiding citizen can defend themselves is their republican takeover is an extreme right-wing takeover of your country and you better not vote for republicans because then they'll vote in more judges who follow the law judges who follow the u.s constitution the way they're supposed to so that's their narrative you see that's their narrative Oh, my God, this is an authoritarian, totalitarian takeover. Unlike the people who locked us down, the Democrats who locked us down for a year with no science, with no proof, with no reasoning to do it. Not authoritarian at all. Not at all. The inability to protect yourself from the criminal element. That is actually fascism. That's fascism, where the criminal element can take over and we can't defend ourselves. That's fascism. Not wanting to protect yourself. Not a law-abiding citizen wanting to buy a gun and carry it on them just in case they need it. And that just in case is becoming more and more common. Okay, it's becoming uh, more and more common nowadays, as we're seeing with the crime numbers shooting up. And this government, the same government that doesn't want you to be able to protect yourself, does nothing to alleviate the crime situation. They do not put in DAs who who prosecute criminals. So they can't be counted on. They can't be counted on. The government's not protecting you. The government protects themselves. Like I said, the governments are protected, right? Our country has plenty of weapons to protect us against other countries, to protect us against other countries trying to hurt us we can defend ourselves as a country, but as an individual, you don't have that same right. As an individual, you don't have the same So the government is saying, we have the right, we have the right to defend ourselves, but you, the citizenry, don't have the right to defend yourselves, which is exactly the opposite of what the Second Amendment was put in for. The exact opposite reason. The founding fathers were thinking the exact opposite of that, okay? they were thinking the citizens have the right to protect themselves against other citizens and against government authoritarianism, okay? That's what the Second Amendment was about. But once again, we've seen something. The, the left, the Democrats don't like the Constitution. They don't like it. They need to actually be more honest about it. They say it in a million different ways. When you say the Second Amendment is not absolute, that free speech is an absolute you're doing kind of a soft sell of the fact that you hate the Constitution. They need to be just more honest and say, "We don't like the Constitution. We don't agree with it. We don't agree with it." And they can give it a million different reasons: country's bigger, it was written so long ago, whatever it may be. They need to say, "We hate the Constitution. We hate free speech. We hate the First Amendment. We hate the Second Amendment. We want to redo it or take it out or whatever." They need to be more honest, but you see, they won't say that because if they say that, their approval won't be 25; it'll be five. They know that. They know it. So they can't be so direct. But we know in their actions, in their words, they hate the Constitution. They hate everything about it because it limits their power, because it gives you, the citizen, the power. And they don't like that. They don't want that. They are threatened by that. They are threatened by that. They hate the fact that they can't do what China's doing. They hate the fact they can't just lock you up in your apartment when they say you should be locked up in your apartment. They don't like the fact they can't go around looking like morons in white spacesuits, herding you into your apartment, herding you out of the streets, tackling you if you don't go in, if you don't get your daily testing. They hate the fact they can't do that. They get off on power. They want more of it. And they know if there was no Second Amendment, if there were no gun, if there's no gun ownership here, if there was no First Amendment, there was no free speech right here, they could do all that stuff they do in Kami China. They could do it here. But now they have that great Supreme Court which stops them. In other federal courts, which bitch-slap them down over and over again, do you need to know the number of lawsuits Newsom lost, Democratic governors and the Biden administration have lost over the last two and a half years? They lose and they lose and they lose. Everything on COVID they lost on. Everything, from churches, closing churches, to everything they tried to do, they lost when it went to court. Because they are criminals, and they break the law. They break the law when they can. Until they're told they can't anymore. And that's what we're seeing now with this ridiculous banning of Juul. I, I don't like smoking. I actually hate smoke. I hate cigarette smoke. I hate it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm almost like, you know, those people who were smokers and became non-smokers, and they usually hate cigarette smoke more than people who never smoked. Well, I never smoked, but I hate cigarette smoke, and I hate secondhand smoke. I live in a building in San Francisco, which for the last, I think, three years now has been a non-smoking building. You can't smoke anything here. You can't smoke pot. You can't smoke cigarettes. You can't vape, and I love that. I absolutely love that. And we have some assholes in this building who still do it. And I smell secondhand smoke and I'm constantly complaining. Other people are constantly complaining. But you, know, you can do about it because you don't know which apartment's coming from and you can't just knock the door down. So people do it anyway. But I hate secondhand smoke. But what I do know from those uh, vaping things is they don't have the secondhand smoke that regular cigarettes have. And actually, science actually tells you, Democrats don't care about science, but anyway, I'll tell you, science says they have much less nicotine. They have much less of the products that cause cancer than regular cigarettes do. And I know with secondhand smoke, I've seen people vape, but just you don't smell it. It evaporates. So I prefer that. If people can do anything, I don't think they should do anything, but if they can do anything and they're adults and they have the right to do it, they should do the vaping. But the Biden ministry, the FDA has gone after Juul for some reason. Okay, they've gone after Juul because Juul was doing something with um, flavored, flavored vaping, which kids were getting into. But then they dropped that. They uh, Juul agreed to drop those flavors and just do the regular flavor and menthol like cigarettes. And so they did that. Juul did what the FDA asked them to do, and they dropped those those flavored cigarettes, uh, vaping. And yet, the FDA is still going after them. The FDA now is closing them down, closing down Jewel, saying they can't exist anymore, trying to shut them down. When there are like two or three other companies that sell the same stuff, and they're not going after them, so it's some odd vendetta. And you're wondering if these people are getting back. We know the FDA; we know they get kickbacks with the vaccines and all that nonsense. So that maybe they're getting kickbacks from other companies to go after Jewel. But obviously, it's against the law. They can't be going after Jewel specifically. They don't have the data. Like the FDA hasn't had the data on anything, lockdowns, masks, that's nothing. They have no data that shows that Juul is doing something horrible that the other companies aren't doing. So Juul will win. But once again, this is the same situation of the Democrats, the liberals, the Biden administration, breaking the law as long as they can, knowing they'll lose, but just wanting to be a pain in the ass and wanting to make Juul spend the money, probably millions of dollars to win in court and get this reversed, which they will. But it's the same old stuff. It's the same old idea of control for the sake of control. There's no reasoning for it. There's no science behind it. There are no facts behind it. There's no law that backs that up, of tell it just shutting down a company like that, because you have some kind of a vendetta against them, or because other companies are putting money in your pocket to get rid of the big guy, and everyone knows that name, Jewel. I don't even know the others. I've had liberal friends who've worked for Jewel. I've had progressive friends who worked for Jewel in San Francisco. And they loved working for the company. So, I, it, it, But this is the constant thing we're seeing from the liberals from the left from the Biden administration, is that they, they shut down, they're so, inept, they're so inept and so corrupt, and it's over and over again, whether it's shutting down a For reasons that are good reasons or not, shutting down a factory, Abbott, that produces baby formula, when you know that 48% of the baby formula is made in that factory and then you don't account for that. You wait months until there's a shortage before you start addressing the shortage you created by locking down that company and not doing something to make up for the 48% of baby formula that's not being produced anymore. It's such incredible incompetence over and over and over again. And then Biden says the same thing over and over again. Oh, it's not our fault. It's Putin's fault. We couldn't see. Who could foresee such a, who could foresee more variants coming? Who in the world? Could, could, a virus with 37 variants already. Who could foresee more variants? Who could see, who could foresee Delta? Who could foresee? And then after Delta, who could foresee Omicron? It's, 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 it's absurd. It's absolutely absurd. It's absurd. And then you have the chart, which shows inflation was up, you know, whatever it was, up to seven percent before Putin invaded, and gas prices were up to four dollars a gallon before Putin invaded, and yet he they, they, they blames everything on Putin, blames everything on COVID. It, it's it's to the point now, and the guys falling downstairs and falling off bikes, and I mean, the it's so embarrassing. I can only imagine what people in Europe. I mean, the left with their bullshit of, oh, I can't imagine how people in Europe perceive Trump. They must think with such morons. What do they think now? What do they think with Biden? What do they think with an 80-year-old who blames everything on a virus and a, and a one guy thousands of miles away who falls downstairs, who can't ride a bike, who ha- <laughs> he can't even reach straight off a teleprompter, who loses place, who doesn't know the names of people in his administration? What do they think about that? What do you think about a country that can only elect 80-year-olds? What do you think about a country that has their top leaders in health, Fauci, in the House, Pelosi, in the White House, Biden, they're all octogenarians. Like I said, I can't stand Trudeau. I can't stand Macron. I can't stand Boris Johnson and all these other, but at least they're not 80 years old. And like on their last legs. What does the world think of this? What does the world think of the voters here who vote these people in? What are the people, the voters in cities like... I, I talked to my friend in New York, and once again, I want to remind people that uh, I'm heading to New York on Saturday, I'm heading to New York to tomorrow, actually. Oh, boy, isn't it tomorrow? I guess it is tomorrow. And, uh, and I'll, I'll be there for a couple of weeks. And so I'll do the show from there starting next week, and I'm going to change the hours around because I don't want to be doing the show at three in the morning in New York. Um, so I'll, I'll change the hours around and I'll make sure I put it on the calendar here, but, um, I'm going to New York and I have friends in New York and I say to them and they, they, they complain, these are Democrats. These are Democrats who hate Donald Trump. I mean, they, they have Trump derangement syndrome. They hate him. They still talk about him as though he's still president. And I say, but they but then they complain about the crime and they complain about Eric Adams doing stupid things and, just loving his photo shoots, having a 22% approval, now wanting to make only the subways a one cop. It used to be where two cops, cops were in pairs in the subway for good reason, to protect each other. Now he wants to make it just a one cop deal. So they separate. And it's so idiotic. And everyone knows it's idiotic. Now the police will be even more of a target because they won't have any backup. So they hate this guy. They hate the fact that crime is exploding. They're complaining about it. And I say, why do you keep electing Democrats for mayor? And they go, oh, oh, Republicans are so awful. awful." Yet the Democrats are the ones who run the city. Yet when the crime was low, it was a Republican who was the mayor, Giuliani. It was a Republican, then independent, who was the mayor, Bloomberg. And then as soon as the Democrats took over, de Blasio, everything went to hell. Are Are you that lame that you can't see it? Yet you all know, we don't vote for Republicans, especially after Trump. So because of Donald Trump, They won't vote for a a Republican mayor in New York City. That shows how deep Trump derangement syndrome is. That shows how much of a a mental disorder Trump derangement syndrome is. So you get what you ask for, babe. You get what you ask for. You keep electing the people with the D next to their name because the R's are so bad. And yet the D's are the ones who get you killed. The D's are the reason why you can't go out at 10 o'clock at night. The Ds are the reason why those restaurants are closing at 10 instead of being 24 hours. The reason why crime is rampant in your city. The way you have to look over your shoulder all the time. Yet you won't vote for an R. So you keep electing the same people. And what do they think in other countries? That we keep electing these same people in our cities, these same Democrats. And crime keeps going up and up and the quality of life goes down and down and down. I just cannot imagine what people think about us. So, yeah, you know, I think that we've gotten to a point here where, where, where people in, in, in these Democrat-run cities have sort of that cognitive dissonance where they don't like what's happening in their city, yet they can't blame it on the politicians because they're Democrats. If they were Republicans, they could easily blame it on them. And some of them still do. Someone will say they blame it on who knows where the, the vibe of the Republicans have created or, or Trump being in the White House for four years. They, there was all these crazy reasons that they cannot blame the Democrats for what's going on and the bad policies the Democrats have for what's going on in their cities. And so they keep on getting the same result over and over and over again. And now they have you have a governor's race. You have a governor's race where they will not vote. In New York City, they won't vote for any Republican. They'll vote for Kathy Hochul again. They'll vote for a woman. The only reason why she's there is because her boss couldn't keep his penis in his pants, couldn't keep his dick in his pants. Silly reason why she's there. She was never elected, yet, oh, she's the power of the incumbent. She's the incumbent, and she's a Democrat. So they'll they'll vote for a Democrat again. After all the COVID shit, after all the crime, they'll vote for a Democrat again because they can't vote for a Republican. Especially if that Republican is named Giuliani, Andrew, Rudy's son. Because that name is so tainted now because his father was Trump's friend. It, it's, you know, it gets to the point where it's so ridiculous. When we look at someone's name or their party, not who they are, not what they're talking about, not their substance, not what they want to do. I want to fix crime. I want to do this. Oh, too bad, yet you're a Republican. I don't trust you. Yet look at what the Democrats have done that you keep electing over and over and over again. It's kind of insanity. As I as I talk about it and think about the process, it's an insane process, isn't it? Isn't it an insane process to keep doing the same thing over and over and over again? Not just that hasn't worked, but that hurts you. That can get you hurt or killed. I, I can't imagine it. It's brainwashing to the extent of cult. That's why I call the party system a cult system. And right now I'm focusing on Democrats because this is where the problem has been over the last two and a half years. This is where the problem is now. But yes, of course, there are deep red cities and states where they won't vote for a person with the name D next to their name. As I'm talking, someone in, in Alabama or Mississippi or Georgia can be listening to me right now and agreeing with everything I said. But if I ran In their area, as a Democrat, they wouldn't vote for me, even though they agree with everything I'm saying because I have a D next to my name. So it works both ways. That's why I've said the two party system is a cult. It's it's like Jim Jones runs them, who is the Waco guy. This is what it's a cult system. You are brainwashed. You are brainwashed into believing a certain narrative and that the other side is the enemy. They're there to harm you and kill you. And this is a, a horrible thing with a two-party system. And I don't know if people in Canada or or if, if you're listening in UK or anywhere else but this country can understand this, where you have, you know, anywhere from, what, three to 12 parties, more? But in, in, a, in a two-party system where if you don't run as a D or an R, you can't win, and if you run as a D in – California, New York, forget it. Uh, 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 If you run as a D in Alabama or Mississippi, forget it. If you run as an R in New York, California, forget it. Forget it. Doesn't matter what you believe in. Doesn't matter. And what is North saying? I'm getting a message from North saying, you just spent 20 minutes telling people the Democrats are trying to harm you. Well, they are. But their policies, their policies in cities like New York and San Francisco and L.A. are harmful. They are. They're they're harmful. These policies are harmful. They're getting people hurt. They're getting people killed. So these are harmful policies. The DAs are harmful. These Democrat liberal DAs are harmful. That's why Gascon is about to get recalled. That's why Chesabudin was recalled. I mean, it's just simply the case. But I know North is going to try to tell me now why it's not the case, aren't you, North? You there? Hey. Oh, hey. I didn't think you'd let me <laughs> in so early. I'm letting you in it's so early. I've been on for a half hour. No, right? I'm not
1: I'm not trying to tell you it's not the case. I'm just – you contradicted yourself. You were saying that the Democrats are trying to harm you. And then in your last statement, you were saying how a guy in Mississippi or Missouri or whatever it was – wouldn't vote for you if you had a D next to your name because they're brainwashed, because they're convinced that you're trying no, to harm but them. I
0: think I've made it clear that both sides have that problem.
1: Right, they- right. But, but you're, you're doing both, you're doing both things. Don't you realize like you're saying like people in Missouri aren't going to vote for you because you have a D next to your name, but then you just spent 20 minutes saying how like people with a D next to their name are actually trying to harm you.
0: No, but I don't think – no, I think I'm trying – maybe I haven't made myself clear to you, North, so maybe I can clear this up. The policies of Democrats right now in cities like New York and Los Angeles and San Francisco, especially when it comes to crime and punishment, those policies, those soft on crime policies like George Gascon, who won't follow the three strikes law, things like that that come from the liberal mindset, are indeed hurting the citizens in the city as a whole, that lucky okay, that's one thing separately. Now, the next thing is this two party system where if you're in a city like New York or if you're in a city like San Francisco, no matter what the case is, the person speaking, if they're not a Democrat, you're probably not going to vote for them. And if you're in a city in Alabama or Mississippi, no matter what the person's saying, if they're not if not, a, if they're not running as a Republican, you're probably, probably not not going to vote for them. And I think that's that's an issue. It's an issue everywhere. It really is, because there could be. Look, I don't live in Alabama. I don't live in Mississippi, but there could be policies that the Republican politicians in those places pushed policies that are not good for the citizens yet. Yet, yet they'll only vote for other Republicans. They won't vote for someone who's a Democrat. They won't vote for a Green Party. They won't even vote for you for independent, man. I mean, that's the problem here. You don't have this problem in Canada, do you? Right. You have a multiple, no. multiple. I understand yeah. that one or two parties win most of the time, but you do have a multiple party system where, where the, where in, in, uh, in the parliament, it's not just two parties, right?
1: No, it's not, but it is ma- mostly two parties that switch back and f- like have the main bulk of the votes.
0: What do you have? The liberal conservative?
1: There's a vote? liberal conservative and then the NDP, which is like a progressive party. And then there's a right. green that gets a very small share.
0: Right. And in the UK, it's, it's kind of similar, right? You have the Labour, the Liberal. Well, the UK has more of a strong three party, don't they? Labour, Conservative, uh, Liberal? Uh, I'm not sure, actually. Yeah. But, uh, or the Liberal Democrats. I know that's another party over there. But at least in Parliament there, you do have a mix of more than just two parties. Mm-hmm. Where here, we have 99.999% are Democrats or Republicans, a couple of mm-hmm. independents here and there. And this is the problem. And I, I, I've talked about this. I've hit my head against the wall with this. And it's not going to change here. You know, it's not, I fought. I fought the changes I voted for Green Party candidate the last two elections, but they have no chance of winning. They get maybe one percent of the vote. Libertarians get about three percent of the vote. So it's not going to change here in my lifetime. So that's a very, very, uh, very, very frustrating thing for me. It really is. It's a very, very like, like I've said, I think the only places where you get the best representation in this country are the mixed purple cities and states where they'll vote for either, you know. But when you're talking about deep red states, Alabama, Wyoming, North Dakota, South Dakota or deep blue states, California, New York, you know, Vermont, so on and so forth, only one party can win. Only one party can yeah. win. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I say it all the time, um, and we don't have to get into it, but I always think that the main way to get um actual results for you know, the average person is you've got to get money out of politics you got to um reduce who and uh, how much people can contribute especially corporations getting corporations out of there getting lobbyists out of there and just making it so that like basically there's a cap on spending so that right, and this is not a
0: party thing because i lived in arizona In Arizona, where if you run for state office there, right, if you're for state office, state assembly, legislature, so on and so forth, the state offices, not the federal offices, they have publicly funded elections where it's capped. Mm -hmm. Everyone that runs and qualifies to run gets whatever it might be, $100,000, whatever the number is, might be more now. And that's it. And they can raise, you can raise $5 after that from each person. That's it. Now, that is the way all of our elections should be. Everyone yeah. gets certain amounts of money. Maybe you can raise nominal amounts like Bernie Sanders did, you know, $5 here, $5 there, but that's it. You can't have millionaires putting in money. You can't have people putting in $30,000, $40,000 a pop. You can't do that, you know. And I think that's the fair, the, the best way to do it. But the interesting thing is it, it's is a red state is the one that's done it, you know. And, and I, yeah, <laughs> I well.
1: I mean, if, if you look at, if you look at what really funneled and ramped up the amount of money that went into, especially the federal elections, uh, it was the Citizens United ruling. And, uh, I think it was 2010. And that was pushed by, um, you know, Republican backed, um, what are they called political action committees. Yeah, but don't that, don't 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 fool yourself. Democrats silently,
0: most of them, afford that. They'll they'll pretend to be. Oh, they'll, they'll for sure. I mean,
1: they definitely to, take advantage of it. Like the politicians definitely absolutely, reap absolutely, the rewards of it. But I'm just saying that absolutely. if you want to see where the floodgates opened, it was a you know a Republican push. And um, I mean, we haven't seen Democrats fight it that much have we we haven't seen them fight the way they fight the gun stuff the abortion stuff yeah i mean other than right. like bernie sanders and some more progressive
0: they'll give it lip service but they know it's not going to be overturned that way anyway
1: so that's
0: that's the fact of the matter you know so it's mm. easy to say something when you know it's a law
1: and it's not going to change and oh you're well i believe bernie but him. yeah it's not not like he can really do it on his own um anyways yeah, yeah. that would be my point no, no, it's,
0: it's a good point. It's, it's it's a very good point, you know. And uh, I just I just think that we can agree we can agree on the big money thing, but I can we can also agree that it's not going to change anytime soon. It's not going to change. Any- Look, that system you can put in place easily, like I said, like Arizona did. But more states can do that at least, and they haven't. The state the states would not be bound you know bound by Citizens United to do it on a state level, and they still don't do it. So. But, you know, that that's that's the way it is here. It's uh, the, the people who have the big money, the ones that run for office, they're the ones that want to win. And they know if they open it up, open up to regular people, they're not going to have the control they, they've had all this time. So they're not going to do that. You know, that's, that's that's the problem. That's the problem. North, Nor, thanks for calling in. Yeah. All right. Thanks. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I, I can agree with that on North. I, we, we have that in common. I, I believe that big money should be out of politics. And I think that's one of the biggest evils is allowing unlimited amount of money. And, and it's such a waste, such a, I hate to use the word, sin, sin, is it a sin? When you see like a Senate race costing $85 million, right? Then they have a runoff and it's another $20 million, right? And you just have $100 million on one Senate race, or you have 30, you know, $13 million on a House race. It's, it is a sin. It is. It's a waste of money and it shouldn't be allowed you know, and once again, I'm all for freedom. You know that I'm all for that. But at some point here, we have to say, you know what, this is ruining our country. This is ruining our democracy because the average person can't get in. The average person can't buy in. And that's a problem. I think that is that limits freedom. It doesn't expand freedom. It limits freedom. Um, I'm going to once again, say the lines are open if anyone wants to call in or talk fine, but I am going to stay there. Don't leave. Don't leave. I'm going to head into my film review. I just want to push up... uh, By the way, IMDb is the best thing ever. Because I don't know how I ever existed without IMDb. It's, It's the one source of all movies. So I'm guessing everyone out there is an Elvis fan. I'm guessing everyone out there is an Elvis fan. Maybe not. Okay, anyway. So, um... The movie's Elvis. The movie's Elvis and opens I believe today. I believe Elvis opens today in theaters near you. And it stars uh, Austin Butler as Elvis, Tom Hanks as Colonel Tom Parker. Um and uh, let's see who else we have here. We have good uh, Baz Luhrmann is the director. Baz Luhrmann is the director. By the way, if anyone hasn't seen Baz Luhrmann's first film, he's an Australian director. If you haven't seen Strictly Ballroom, I have to recommend seeing Strictly Ballroom because it's hilarious. It's a great first film, but he's done a lot since Baz Luhrmann. Of course, Romeo and Juliet being one film. Um, And so basically this is a biopic about Elvis Presley, not just Elvis Presley from childhood till, of course, his death at the young age of 42 in 1977, but also his relationship with Colonel Tom Parker, Tom Hanks, who, I went to see the movie with a friend of mine and he didn't realize till the credits ran at the end that it was Tom Hanks. I think you can still see Tom Hanks, but the makeup is fantastic. Of course, it makes him look 100 pounds heavier and considerably older. But um, Tom Hanks is fantastic. And Austin Butler is – I don't know how I can describe his performance as Elvis. It's not a performance. It's not an imitation. It's like Elvis took over his body. That's what it's like. It's like a, it's like a possession this is how good this performance is from this kid, Austin Butler. Um, and I, I remember Butler talking about this and saying he had to watch hours and hours and hours of Elvis footage to get down his movements and the way his hands moved and the way, you know, he moves his body and his legs and his gyrations. Of course, those gyrations that, as the film depicts, got him in trouble in the late 50s and early 60s when of course they wanted to arrest him for being so lewd and turning on women the way he did. But the film is great. It's especially a kaleidoscopic look at his life. Um, it's almost like it was directed by Baz Luhrmann, but it feels like it could have been directed by Oliver Stone. It has similarities to, let's say, Oliver Stone's Nixon in this kaleidoscopic look at a person's life. And it really hits every possible note perfectly. When we talk about the rise of Elvis, what made Elvis such a phenomenon, which is the energy of his performances, the way he was able to tap into a new generation. Um, you people would have you believe it's just women, but it was, of course it was men too. Um, tap into something primal that was happening at that time, as the fifties became the sixties, and things changed so much, especially between the early sixties and the later sixties, when the assassinations of Kennedy and and Martin Luther King and Bobby Kennedy really changed the dynamic. Of the nation, and of course that's also depicted in the film and elvis's um part in that and response to those things. but the film is really great in that it 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 catches the essence of Elvis, it catches what made him such a phenomenon, but it also it also really shows how that all led to his early demise. And it's it's not just a – I I don't want to put it in the way of where it's like a simplistic view of a young guy from a small town from Memphis, Tennessee, you know, who becomes wealthy and famous quickly and can't handle it. It's so much more than that, and it's so much more detailed and in-depth than that. But it's narrated by Hanks playing Tom Parker. And Parker is an interesting character in that he was a great showman. He began in the circus. He was a great great, uh, manager. He was actually ingenious. There are things he did, such as satellite, things that were never done before, like uh, satellite performances, where people around the world would watch Elvis perform, and it would get one and a half billion views, which has never happened before or since. So he was really a genius when it came to marketing, uh, Colonel Tom Parker, but he also sucked Elvis dry. As the film makes clear, he got 50% of everything Elvis made from really the beginning until his end, which is of course unheard of for a manager to get 50%. Um, And he worked Elvis and part of the film depicts Elvis almost as though Parker's early days in the circus, using him almost as a circus act. He kind of became his human circus act. And he was the main attraction that Parker saw as a young man was going to be able to be this huge phenomenon and make them tons and tons of money. And of course the film, Culminates in Vegas when, in the late '60s, around 1970, Elvis got the the gig at at the Hilton, um, which they use a different name for the Hilton, but we all know it's the Hilton Hotel, and uh, performed there for I believe five years, five or six years. He had the residency there, um, and that was kind of the beginning of the end for Elvis. It was uh, it was uh, performance after performance where he just poured his heart and soul out and gave everything to his performances. Um, as Austin Butler does in this film, I mean, if you you, you f- totally forget that it's a performance, you totally forget. About twenty minutes in, you totally forget it's not Elvis Presley. He looks like Elvis Presley, he talks like Elvis Presley, he embodies Elvis Presley. But the film also has a very sad, a, a, a sad tone through it because we have, we know how it ends. We know how it ends with Elvis's drugs and his personal doctor who would prescribe him all these horrible drugs to keep him going. And at the end, it it uh, gave him a heart attack but I think what Baz Luhrmann's film does is at once unleashes that energy that everyone felt about Elvis and this phenomenon and the actual power in his performances and which I don't think any performer has able, has been able to embody ever since Elvis Presley, but also the fact that there was a huge price for it, a huge price for it. And in, like I said, in a very kaleidoscopic fashion that goes back and forth in time, from Elvis as a young man, until, of course, Elvis, as we saw him in the mid to late 70s, where he had gained uh, a a good bit of weight, um, I think captures the essence of not only Elvis Presley, not only the measure of Elvis Presley, but also the measure of, of Tom Parker and their relationship. And I think that's kind of the brilliance of the film, is that it's just about Elvis. It would be easy just to be about Elvis. We've seen films that are just about Elvis, but we've never seen a film about Tom Parker and their relationship and the kind of codependent relationship. Between, uh, between Elvis and Tom Parkner and how it was a... God, it was kind of a match made in heaven and hell at the same time. But this is a really a great film. Um, I think it's one of the best of the year. I'm going to give it a solid A. So I recommend seeing Baz Luhrmann's Elvis with great performances by Austin Butler, Tom Hanks, and an incredibly large uh, supporting cast. Okay, so... I think we're going to be done and this is the end of the week. And remember next week, starting on Monday, the times will change. So be sure to go on calling.com and check the calendar and look for, and let's be heard with the little photo of the young guy screaming into the microphone. And that'll be me. And, uh, I'll do some shows in New York. Maybe I'll even go around and talk to some people, see what's going on there. Um, and, uh, and report from there. And, uh, Maybe comparing trash the two here in San Francisco. But I'll be on next week from New York. Live from New York, Micah Chopley and Unless Be Heard. Okay, so you've been listening to Unless Be Heard. I am Micah Chopley. Remember, always remember, vote Democrats out of office, vote them out now. Have a great weekend, and I'll see you from the Big Apple.